Hello and welcome back to the Student Pages podcast. As ever, I'm your host, Grace Sanders, joining you. And today I'm joined by my lovely guest, Apex Zero. Hello, how are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Uh, where, where are you joining me from this evening? I'm in West London, Brentford, West London. Yeah. I'm quite curious. Have you have you seen most recently on, on Twitter the Tottenham Court Road baubles? That's all I've been talking about all week. Nah, I ain't seen that at all. <laughs> People are excited about it. I say people, just me. I'm on a very niche corner of the internet. Long story short, some of the Christmas decorations, which they've foolishly put up in November, so it's their own fault really, have been falling around on the streets and crashing into cars, taking out pedestrians. And if there's one way that I'd want to go, it's by giant bauble. <laughs> that sounds like a very British thing to happen. You know what I mean? Yeah, you know when they um yeah, when they're like, Oh, how did she die? And it was just like, Yeah, the, the giant baubles were just falling all over the place. But we're not here to talk about Christmas. We're not here to talk about giant baubles. Of course, we're here to talk about you as such. So if, if you could, for all the listeners out there, give us a, a little bit of background about what you do as an artist, as a musician. <laughs> um, as you said, my name is Apex Zero. I've considered myself a multidisciplinary artist. So I started out as an MC and I still do that. It's very much like the core of what I do. I also make films and photography. And I'm very much about kind of bringing people together for like a community experiences and so I guess that community building is a big is a big thing for me so I've I've been blessed to be sort of brought into a number of communities uh, by people who I greatly respect and um, I've also helped to sort of found a few in the latest thing I'm working on at the moment is called Drummer Warrior Storyteller which is a visual album huge uh, collaborative piece of work with dancers filmmakers photographers metal smiths and blacksmiths painters yes yeah, there's a lot of different people involved theater directors lighting engineers visual effects artists and yeah it's, it's, it's been a sort of huge labor of love and feels like we're really going in the direction that we're, we're trying to go in we have we have so much to dig into on your latest exhibition drummer warrior warrior storyteller but can you give us a, a little bit of information about uh, your background and journey actually into music. I know you mentioned that you started out life as an MC and that you, I say life, your artistic life as an MC. Uh, c- can you define what an actual MC like that means to you? I know that many people might be familiar with an MC as like JME says it, uh, mm. but what kind of background do you have there? Well, I started in the I started in the underground UK hip hop scene, and so it's kind of like I guess to mid two thousands. And it was, I make quite, I don't really like the term necessarily, but quite like political music. So kind of was involved with movements like the Speaker's Corner movement. I'm one of the one of the uh, organisers of End of the Week, which is a global hip hop community. So I guess like, you know, a lot of people might recognise it a bit more as being a rapper. And I, I don't mind that term at all. I, you know, I, I embrace that term a lot, but just uh, there was a time when I, I was much more drawn to the idea of calling myself an MC. And I, I guess I still am just because I think there's certain connotations. There was connotations at that time, this sort of differentiation between the two, um, which I don't really subscribe to anymore. But I think also because we're coming out of, I'm coming out of London, the tradition you want, you know, you could call it, or the culture is very much this kind of sound system culture, live music culture, which I think your hip hop comes out of as well. You know, just again, at that sort of time when I was coming up, it was very much more about making tracks, you know, and releasing music, which is also very much what I do. But I, I, especially for sort of jungle and drum and bass, it's something I'm sort of really, passionate about as well and spent a long time kind of on that scene as well not so much in this country but more more internationally so there's something about that kind of live element you know of, of hosting events did a lot of sort of squat parties back in the day of just sort of you know like running the dance and and to me that's like massively important as much as it you know as important as as what you know being 
what might be considered a rapper, being a live MC is is equally important to me, you know. So I I I, I choose to 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 claim that term, you know what I mean? There's there's something about the London music scene which to me still feels like very organic, uh, especially when you get to like intimate venues and things such as this. Uh, you know, even though like you you have like so many like large artists now that have kind of broken through, like I don't know, Stormzy, AJ Tracy, who will still go and and do these incredibly small shows because you can tell they still love the music. No, there's there's nothing like it, and I think it's one of them things where. When I was like deep in it, young, I guess I had I had ambitions to go on to do bigger things or to go and be around the world or whatever and, and be in certain big places. It's easy to take it for granted. Do you know what I mean? How how dope the music scene is in London. You know, I did a round table discussion with Congonetti a few years ago and he was saying like there's at least seven, eight genres that have come out of London alone. You know what I mean? Like and that's that doesn't really happen in many other places in the world, you know? And of course there's like a massive international diasporic, you know, melting pot reason why that is, you know, it's not just the fact that it's just, it's not just London alone, you know, it's, it's the Caribbean, it's Africa, it's, it's India, it's all these other different places and people who are here in this, in this melting pot, that's London. But it, when you're in it and you, especially when you ain't really been anywhere else, it's easy to kind of sort of not know how we're perceived around the world, you know what I mean? And then having gone to other places more so now, maybe than ever before, apart from maybe sort of when Jungle was at, or, you know, German Bass were at their prime, like, People love it and people are, are, are like mesmerized by it. And it's like this cultural, spiritual home for people all over the world who are doing, who are, who are making music that's that's related to this and is, and is influenced by this. And I think one thing that's really great about the time now with like UK Drill and, and Grime and, you know, what's happening in the moment with Afrobeats, you know, Afrobeats sounds coming out of London even, you know, we're aware of that now. Whereas I think there was a time before when we weren't, when I was lucky enough to go live in China for a couple of years, I was living in Beijing seeing it seeing people on the complete other side of the world loving this scene that I was sort of taking for granted it gave me a new appreciation for it you know what I mean to just be like this is this is this is something special because it's something you know when I travel sort of not for music and you try and find a club somewhere a lot of the times they don't exist or they're not the same you know it's very much that kind of and no disrespect to anyone else's kind of music, but it's sort of very sort of like how you know, like dance music, kind of sort of pop pop dance music kind of thing, and which is fine if people like that. Do you know what I mean? But there's nothing, there's nothing like that kind of gritty vibrancy that comes out of London. And a lot of the time, when you do find clubs that are really popping around the world, they're playing that, or they're playing something related to that, mixed with you know things like reggae and hip hop and soca and Afro beats. Do you know what I mean? Which you know again are all part of the same tradition you know it's interesting to see how a lot of like american artists have kind of taken on that sort of um, london-based like theme almost uh, you can sometimes hear american artists trying to put on a london accent which sometimes it's like it's most recently been the other way around which i find interesting yeah i find it quite bizarre it's it's like uh it's mad because when i was coming up there was still like people trying to put on American accents to rap, you know what I mean? And like with people like London Posse and Son of Noise and Hijack, like they, they, you know, they were really kind of the people who were starting to break that, you know what I mean? And it was, you know, by the time I was there, there was a very clear line between like the skinny mans and the Kalashnikovs and the black twangs who were just like, no, we don't do that. And if you do that, you're getting laughed out of the space, do you know what I mean? And so to see it go the other way is is wild to me, you know, that it's like, ah, oh, people are really trying to trying to do this accent, you know what I mean? But then again, 
I, I get it, you know, I understand it. It's like it's it's like when, you know, if you're if you're if you're a dancehall artist or a rag artist, however you want to describe them things as well, it's like it's, there's a kind of need to to catch the beat in a certain way. Do you know what I mean? That you have to kind of take on at least some level of a of of, of an accent or a flow, you know? And so if you're trying to if you're trying to have a particular sound, there's gonna sort of maybe need to be a generation that do that before it can get turned into its its more organic or more like natural or locally embedded way of doing things you know what I'm saying yeah I I can sort of see as well I suppose this is a more of a challenging question but do you think some of that like organic nature has been lost with the mass production or like the mass replication of London culture I think in a lot of ways the kind of that mass production is less so than it was at a time I feel like I feel like the sort of music industry proper that you might call it you know the big labels and these things I don't feel like they have as much say or control over over these things anymore right and someone like AJ Tracy you mentioned there like saw a thing with him recently talking about how he had, he had the chance to go to sign to certain labels and he decided you know people like Jammer and then we were advising him to sort of go do it on his own and he did you know and so it's like he, he has that control over his career to be as big as he is but still have that control like you know people like the boy better know and all of them who 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 are in control of their music and in control of their lives and own all their all their stuff, do you know what I mean? Or or are then in a position to 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 then go and sign to a label, but have a lot more power and control in that. I think that, along with the fact that like the the ecosystem of the internet and and these things, and there's there's still issues with you know the Spotify's and the streaming services and whatever else, but like you can now release music all over the world and build a fan base and connect with people and get shows and get bookings and travel the world with this thing. And that to me allows for that organicness and that cross-pollination of ideas to really thrive. And I think it's really thriving at the moment. You know, I think anything that kind of is, you know, I would say even things that are sort of massively mainstream, if that even is a thing anymore, still feel really really organic you know like Stormzy's latest thing fire do you know what I mean and the fact that he can be who he is still be out on the road you know repping for the family of Chris Carver you know what I mean and then put all of those people who he did which is the lineage of black music in this country in his video and shout it out and show respect to it and then get love you know what I mean to me shows shows where we're at and I, and I love it yeah I think what keeps it so foundational is like the meaningfulness of those lyrics as well that really do hit home and like keep it grounded so much and and you can tell that there's still the passion there mm-hmm. speaking of passion and vision can you tell us a little bit more about your latest exhibition drummer warrior storyteller i believe that the first show happened uh, last weekend yeah it was the, it was the first big one the first sort of one we've been building up to with the theater show but we we done a, a few things because it's by nature it's a multi-faceted project. So it's 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 named after Chinura Chebe's perception of storytelling. It was one of like an incredibly prominent Nigerian novelist and essayist and writer, and he and he describes his understanding of of storytelling as the drama being the one who calls forth the people. The warrior goes forward and fights the war, and it's the storyteller who survives passes on the history and gives meaning to the survival of those who survived. Um, And as I was building the project and I heard an interview with him and he said these words, I was like, I feel like that's what I've been trying to do for all the time I've been making music and art, you know? And so I kind of took that on and then linked up with um, um, a producer called Steph B and a creative director called um, 
motivation, Musa Firi. And um, they really sort of like put the the battery in my back to be like, yo, let's grow this into something bigger. There's so much scope here for what it might be. Um, and I've just been blessed to kind of be guided towards a bunch of different people who've been interested in it and wanted to collaborate on it. Um, and so we, we we started off with with music and then made a film and then out of the film came um, photography, uh, paint. Uh, we made a second film and out of that came um, metalsmithing and blacksmithing um, through the theatre design, there's been um, costume design and all these different things have just been growing, just constantly growing, you know, with the collaboration. Um, and so we premiered the first film at Breaking Convention at Sadler's Wells. We did a, uh, on, the, on the 230th anniversary of the Haitian Revolution, we did an exhibition at the, um, at the Hackney Social. And then we did uh, the Bernie Grant Centre in Tottenham. Um, and then that all led up to us being at Rich Mix last Saturday night. And we put on the exhibition in its biggest form with, with everything that's been made so far. Um, and then put on an immersive theatre show. Um, which was absolutely electric. It was it was powerful. We have um, Orisha high priestesses who come in and set the tone, uh, who 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 invite our ancestors into the space for us to do this thing properly. Um, have incredible drummers from um, a brother called uh, Demba, who's a phenomenal Dundun player, and then Ukombozi ancestral drums, um, who I drum with. Um, set the tone as well as a brother called Musa Dembele who plays the Kora and so we had this real mix of kind of like hip-hop beats um, soundscapes created by a brother called um, Tile who's phenomenal um, visual effects by a brother called Daniel um, and yeah just all of these different elements of dance um, theater hip-hop live African music uh, just kind of come together in this beautiful way that that j just really really has affected the people who were there and really affected us on stage you know and so it's just been a real real blessing to be able to to be able to do this and and to, and we're looking to keep doing it and take it further you know you mentioned a lot of individuals and a lot of names there that have kind of contributed to this like body uh, of multimedia art what does it mean to you to have like these people so close to you kind of live in and, and, and breathe in the experience with you? It's everything to me. And um, it's, you know, when people sharing something that you're doing um, and not just like in a casual way, you know, like, you know, like, oh, you know, they're being paid to be here. So they're here kind of thing. Like, you know, obviously, of course, people are being paid, but like everyone involved is really resonating with the project and, and they're there because they want to be involved and they and they believe in what's going on, you know, and they believe that it's 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 gonna have a, an impact on the world. And you know, that's that's what I've always been trying to do, everything that I've been striving towards is to is to genuinely impact change in the world. Um and to see that it's happening, to see that it's affecting people, I feel fully, fully as if, you know, I know that the Most High and the ancestors are working for us to get this work done. And it feels very much like everything in my life has kind of led up to this point. All the things I've had to go through that are in the story, um, all of the things that I've had to, 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 to endure, but also all the things that I've learned, all the skills that I've got, all the people I've connected with, you know, all the connections I have with people around the world that have fed into my learning and my journey. These people I'm collaborating with are, are, are huge parts of that, you know, and um, for them to all sort of, lend their skills and their being to make this become what it's becoming 
is 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 it's beautiful and it's a it's a wonderful thing and it's it feels genuinely guided like all the way through this thing i've been i've needed someone to do something for example and then they just kind of appear you know um and not only just appear they're brilliant at what they do they they want to be involved and we find a way to involve them you know and it just it just feels right and saturday night was like a huge beautiful manifestation of that so i'm very very grateful it's so lovely to hear how, how passionate you you are about this project uh, as well as like the people that you've connected with if there's like like i say one thing or one message that you want like uh, viewers maybe that's the correct word for like multimedia viewers or audience to take away from this experience what would it be because it sounds like you've got a really powerful message to put across um i think it's about growth um and i think it's about unity and i think it's about love i i, I that can that can sound like a bit of a cliche um at times and actually when i was younger i spent a long time I'd say actively trying to make music that wasn't about love. Do you know what I mean? Because I felt like that was something that was so oversaturated and done so much. That I was like, you know, I feel like there wasn't enough attention being given to uh, the issues and the problems that exist in the world that need to be addressed and need to be dealt with. And so I actively sought to make music that did that. And not just music, but, uh, you know, the activism I was involved in, the the, the movements I was part of, um, were, were all very much gained at sort of community organization protest you know global change and um i think for a long time because of how angry i was and how angry so much of this um makes me and still does yeah i'm not i'm not ever going to pretend like i'm not raging all the or time like you know what i mean yeah like and i think again there's a there's a healthy but also sometimes unhealthy fear of anger as if like, you know, that it's unproductive or it can't do things. And someone like Audrey Lord, the work of Audrey Lord has really, really spoken to me about this, this need for like, a, for anger to be that fire can feed you, you know, and keep you warm when there's no one else around to support you, which she says, um, I, I stand by that. But at the same time, um, it can become it can become a lot and it can it can it can that same fire can burn you do you know what i mean and it can burn you out and it can take its toll on you um and one thing that i have learned and grown i think as i've got older do you know what i mean as i've mellowed a little bit and as i've sort of traveled the world and seen things and had experiences um i feel very much that that isn't the only way to make changes you know and there can be this multifaceted multiplicitous many many sort of battlefields or many areas that can be worked and developed on that are happening and can happen at the same time all of the objective of improving the situation and to and to you know take take power away from those who have it and abuse it and give it to people who who have it but don't know it you know and for us to sort of I don't want to spend my life anymore striving to to destroy something I disagree with I'd rather spend my my life building something that I do greatly believe in. And then if we're going to fight, we fight to defend that. You know, I think that's, a, to me, that just sounds like a, a better way to live. And, and I think this project is helping me do that. And I hope it helps others to do the same. I think especially in like the current socio-political climate, like I, I know that I I stay away from 
from Twitter, from uh, the news, just because you are just all consumed by the fact that nothing's going to ever going to get better <laughs> and etc, uh, uh, etc. Et so it's so positive to hear someone like actually verbalize that instead of trying to batter something down, you can build something up in order to create kind of like a stronger posture towards that. Do you think that's why that you chose the avenue of like a multimedia art for this exhibition? Because there was too much and too many avenues to come from? Um, I don't think it was a conscious decision like that. I don't, I don't think it was like, I'm trying to achieve this, so I need to do these things. Um, I think it was, I think it was a combination of things that, that, that one, I just, I have a great passion for film and I have a great passion for music. And so I wanted to challenge myself to do something more than what I'd done before. Um, and I think I, I, I went through a great period of learning um, through traveling the world and being able to see different things and see what other people are doing. Um, as well as I went through this phenomenal um, Yopo ceremony. My, my brother Natty took us out to, to Venezuela to, to film a documentary connected to his album, Release the Fear. And it was like the sort of the the sort of peak of a mountain I've been climbing for a long time. When I got to this point, and was it, it really did like level me up, and I came back with this this passion to just do more, you know, and be more, and um, work on those lessons. And so instead of sort of I don't know, I feel like I spent a long time um, trying to figure out what it is I was trying to do in life, and um, it was this kind of caught in this I was kind of caught in this bind between trying to be seen in terms of the music and in terms of getting out there I think I think for a long time I did just accept that I was an I was an underground MC or underground artist I didn't really have ambitions to be like a pop musician or or in, in the charts or nothing like that but then at the same time you, you still have to kind of get yourself out there do you know what I mean and do what you're doing um but then also trying really hard not to be seen because of certain other things I was doing, you know, um, and 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 that require quiet to make important moves, you know what I mean? And so like, I just kind of came back as a kind of older person and just sort of very comfortable with who I am and what I do and just started making with a kind of renewed purpose um, and with not really the need to feel like I got to rush this because, you know, it's not like I'm trying to get into a certain cycle of, you know, promotion or, or I don't know, whatever people do around charting or anything like that. It was just like, I'm making the work and the work is the work, you know? Um, and so every time it got to a next stage, it was like, right, I'm going to try and if I need something, who can, who can, who can deal with this? And I've just been blessed, like I said, to have this, this group of people around me and, and this growing group of people around me, family that, that have these skills and I help them as much as I can when I want to. And that, that help is, reciprocal you know what I mean we build together on on in this way and so at every stage someone else is offering to do something and it's like well I'm not going to say no do you know what I mean this is a this is a living project you know it's it, it, it's not like something and again it's not to disrespect anyone and I know and I get the reason why people do certain things they do in the in the industry but like if I'm still doing this in five years I'm not really bothered if people are like oh you're still doing that do you know what I mean because it's it's an ongoing living project and we're looking to to take this around the world, to connect with different audiences and different drumming and storytelling communities and cultures um, and plug people into it, you know what I mean? And keep it growing. And so, um, as I said, it just feels like this is very much my life's work and this is what my life's been building up to. And so 
making it as big and as multifaceted and as multimedia and as ongoing and living and connected to as many, many people as possible feels like the goal. And, you know, it's it's quite hard to do that with something small, you know. So um, if it needs to grow, it will grow as big as it wants to grow. Because like I said, it's alive and the, the more the more it becomes itself, it will know what it wants to do, whether that's with me or beyond me or who knows, you know. Yeah, I, I completely like I, I can see like the fact that it's a complete body in itself is like living and breathing through all of the different people uh, within the project. Not that I'm going to try to force you into favorites, but is the is the one kind of artistic medium that kind of excited you the most? Because I'm hearing like entertainment metalsmith and I'm like, oh, wow, maybe that's the career for me. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I definitely don't have a favorite, but um, but the metalsmithing was I've always wanted to do it. I've always wanted to try blacksmithing. And my sis, Roxanne, I'm I'm really grateful to her for for bringing me in. I got to shout her out every time because she is, um, Roxanne Simone, she is the first African diasporic black woman to um, curate a show at Gold, Goldsmiths Fair, at Goldsmiths Hall, which is like the biggest um honor in their in their field you know and so she's 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 huge and she's an immense talent and um character and with this incredibly incredibly like cultivated skill that she has and for her to like bless me with the opportunity to not only work with her but then to bring me in and let me have a go at this thing I've always wanted to try it was it was it was thrilling and so to we went up to Sheffield um, but he's again like brilliant blacksmiths called GNT um, blacksmiths, um, and they let us in. They welcomed us into their forge. Um, you know, they they helped. They provided the materials. They they helped to to sort of skill exchange with with Roxanne. And so she was teaching them things. They were teaching her things, and we made this. Um, I say we. Roxanne made this. <laughs> I just watched them filmed and did a little bit of hammering. You know what I mean. Roxanne made this um, cutlass, which was um, really powerful and really symbolic. And um, she's named it Harvest Rebellion because it was this tool, which is often sort of taken for granted as something that's sort of synonymous with Caribbean and African cultures. Um, it's what was used to, to subjugate us, to enslave us, you know what I mean? To, to, to have us working in the cane fields and the other fields um but then we use that to liberate ourselves right to fight back against our enslavers and our oppressors and then we use that to forge our new nations right and new worlds and so to have that like embodied in a piece of work that's in this which she's then etching with lyrics from the tracks and um photographs of our families you know what i mean it's like it's such beautiful work um, all the work is beautiful, but to me that was, yeah, it, it stands out just because of its power and its strength and it's something I've never done before, never had any part of before and always wanted to do. Um, so that was that was really powerful. But like, all of it, you know, like Akua McMorris, who's one of my best friends and phenomenal photographer, she's, she's captured me and other people in a way that I, I didn't know was possible. Um, Dora Lamb, who does the live painting, she 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 paints 
artists and musicians as they as they perform um, at the jazz cafe mostly, but all around this sort of scene. And she, you know, she does this phenomenal work, and it's on my wall over there. You can just kind of see it in the corner. Um, um, and then also Lucy Gledhill, who is a phenomenal metal smith and jewelry maker. She donated all of this amazing jewelry for the for the for the piece and for the for for that which all led up to this theater piece and i think after saturday night you know having been in it the spoken word artist poetica and guy kelton jones uh Mutti, as i said as creative director charlita and honey who who did the costume um daniel who did the visual effects tilly who did the sound dennis the lighting engineer rich mix on the day my sister pembe who who was the production manager like Everyone, every single person involved in every way. Um, the dancers like Corey Grace and Andre, um, everyone who's been involved in every way, they're just, they're just phenomenal what they're doing to sort of have five years of work kind of culminate in this moment was truly special. And we only had five weeks to put it off. We had five weeks to put on an entire theater show and we done it. And it was, you know, a lot of things were kind of improvised because we hadn't had a lot of time to sort of to practice it through in the in the in the event. But that sort of balance between, you know, preparation and skill and professionalism and being able to kind of improvise and freestyle, it just came together in the most beautiful way, man. So it's like, yeah, I, I love it all. But I guess that that as a moment on Saturday night was was truly special. I think being able to put your hands on something and create something is such like an underrated skill like today as well. There, There is relatively like metalsmith. That's not like I say, not a career path anymore as such <laughs> is more like consultants, I guess. <laughs> my granddad made my uh, made my auntie a pair of clogs. If you asked me to make a pair of shoes, I wouldn't know where to start. I had to repair <laughs> our light switch in our bathroom with a piece of string the other day. <laughs> <laughs> wow, women in STEM. <laughs> no, I know, I, know, I know what you mean. I know exactly what you mean. I, so much of what I do is digital. Do you know what I mean? Like from the music to the, you know, the recording of the music to, you know, I, I, did, I did a lot of the graphic design in terms of like the album cover and stuff like that. And so it's like so much of what I do is on a computer. And then so to watch people and experience them doing these sort of like physical labors. Um, and I, I think that, that the, the dance counts for that as well. You know what I mean? Like I, I do a certain level of exercise, but to see these lot like embody an idea, you know, to watch Mutti with the dancers directing them and with all of us, like he's, he's, he's kind of had to, he's pushed me to, to be involved in all of the like um, warm ups and all of the um, sort of research and development for the theatre show, right? And so to see people like embody these things, um, it's not just me sitting down at a computer or with a notepad writing, you know what I mean? Or composing or whatever you want to call it. Like, um, it's living it, it's living it physically. Do you know what I mean? So I completely agree that it's, there's something, there's a power in that. And then again, with the music, like the drumming, it, you know, if, hopefully at some point I can put you in touch with Denver to hear him talk about it because the way he talks about it is it's, it's, it's such a spiritual thing to, you know, and you can't really capture it in the recording. You know what I mean? Like you have to be there to feel the drums touch your soul and touch your spirit. You know what I mean? Um, and the same with the Cora, like it's a storytelling instrument. It's not made to necessarily be recorded and put out there in the world. It's made to be experienced live and vibration is always experienced better live. And so 
that's why it felt so important to to not just I don't say just to like denigrate anything do you know what I mean like I, I'm grateful and again blessed to be able to record music and to share it with people in this way but I want this to have as many different outputs and ways for people to enter it as possible and so if you only ever see the film that's fine do you know what I mean that's wonderful if you only ever listen to the music that's fine um but to come and be in the space with us um I feel like will give people a, a completely different experience and that's why I want to put so much energy and effort into into taking this around the country taking this around the world and connecting with people and and finding ways for as many people as possible to connect um in person physically with with the work you know and throughout all of this journey where would you say you kind of sit within the relative parts of the drummer the warrior or the storyteller now would you say that you can I say confined. Would you say that you can assign yourself to one of those, or no? I think I think I'm all free, and I think I'm striving to be all free. I think I've always been all free, um, and I think not always. I think I've I think I've been all free for a long time, and I think everyone in it is. Do you know what I mean? I think I, that was something I had to really struggle to try to get across to people through the making process. Was like people would say, "Okay, so which character is this, and which one is this?" and um, is this now the drum or is this the story to, and I'm, I'm, I really have to keep trying to stress the point that I don't see them as different entities you know like there's different roles maybe at different times there's maybe different moments to be or to embody each of them but like I said it's like to me it's it's making music that calls people making art that calls people through that process you're fighting the war that we are forced into as a people you know what I mean like we're constantly under attack and constantly under threat and there is not one way to fight that. And so making art and making music that calls for a different way, that demonstrates resistance, that recaptures and takes control of narratives is fighting the war. You know what I mean? Like to, it, to me. Um, and then documenting it all, um, channeling the stories of our ancestors and the stories of our people and the stories of our children and the futures that are to come is the storytelling and I for a long time I didn't consider myself to be a storytelling MC like you get certain people who are you know people like Outcast and and Slick Rick and 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 Raekwon you know what I mean they're kind of like hailed up as these storyteller MCs who's, who like specifically tell stories and I, I didn't think of myself as that I, I, I set myself very up very set myself up very much to be like a a barra, you know, like a barist, like I come and I shell. That's what I do. You know what I mean? And um it's taken me until now to 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 recognize that I'm also telling stories, you know, I'm doing it in maybe a more abstract way or a non-linear way, but um it's still telling stories of what I've been through and what I've lived and what I've seen and what I've been told and what my people have been through and my ancestors have been through. And it's not just a, it's not just a, it's not just a thing to be taken lightly. Like it's a long ancient history of the griot or the gele, depending on, you know, your language um, that has survived in us throughout all of the violence and all of the history and all of, you know, enslavement and colonial violence and imperial violence and, you know, racist violence we're still here and that's the reason why we as a people can create these genres because that's what we do it's not you know they, they, they try to denigrate us and say that 
we don't have a history because it's not written down, which also isn't true. Do you know what I mean? Like we write our history, we have written our history, but we also have this oral tradition of storytelling, which I remember I, I, remember, I, I remember being told in university that that was like, um, that the oral tradition is inconsistent and it's um, unreliable. But you know, the idea that there's like these old landed wealthy white men just writing history down as if that's not biased. Do you know what I mean? And you lock that bias into one set of things and then tell the world, this is the truth. That to me sounds a lot less reliable than a group of people having different perspectives, having to learn the history and then share it and know it all to be able to share it to the next generation sounds a lot more reliable than a lie locked on a page pretending that's the truth. You know what I mean? Um, and so, yeah, to me, it's like all of all of that is in each of the people who are involved in this. They're all doing each of these things, you know? So, yeah. Oral tradition is so important as well, because throughout, like, I, I remember even from when I was at university, like, uh, the, the traditions of, like, telling stories it is so culturally ingrained in passing on information through even, like, fables and stuff like that. But the more that we kind of lose the, I, I say the outskirts, but, the, like, the less spoken languages, the more information that we actually use because there's just simply not a translational word for that yeah, and yeah. Like, I, I find that to me that that's in, that's incredible yeah I agree and um a language dies every day like, uh, you know people people take it for granted that there's like you know five or six languages in the world but there's thousands and every time that a people are forced out of their homes are you know forced off their lands are murdered you know, we're getting, we, we, there's there's wars happening now all over the world that aren't spoken about, you know, and aren't given the care and the need and the respect that other ones are, yeah. And um, people are being are being murdered, and and those cultures are being destroyed to this day as we speak. And the thing about language is that it's not just a means of communication; it's an encapsulation of ways of thinking that are communicated through language um and so like for example i don't i don't speak any other languages fluently but i having lived in china for a little bit i picked up a little bit and um just one very simple example that i can speak to is um the tenses in 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 simplified chinese are are they're not the same as as in english right and so it's not like i i went or i will go it's it's we if you're going to meet someone you say it's like we meet this time you know and so it's not the same as it's just it's very it's a very different way of thinking and so as that started to get into my brain I had to shift my way of thinking around time you know and and so it wasn't like oh what are we going to do in the future it's kind of this ever-present time that then you kind of navigate around whereas in English it's very much like this is the past that is the future there isn't really a now because it's only momentary, right? And so these hugely different understandings, overstandings of what time is are inherent into the way you're thinking, the way you build a culture and a society around these things, you know? And in many, many, many indigenous African uh, and other cultures around the world, this concept of time isn't this like arrow of time, European way of thinking about things, right? In many many African cultures, there's, there's, there's a concept of just time sort of being 
always it always is you know so the idea is that we are we are our ancestors they don't exist in the past they're not people who passed away like we are them we are an embodiment of what they're doing we are our future um ones to come you know is is something that when you know people talk about sort of black person time and we're late and all these other kinds of things and whatever else one so much we, we face so many different pressures that aren't spoken about right so if if i'm late for something it's because i might have to do 10 things that that someone else might not have to do to be able to get there one but then two also culturally right and even if we've been here for like you know however many decades if we've been in the west you know for however many hundreds of years for thousands of years before that we didn't subscribe or operate in this way so genetically you know spiritually we don't operate within this idea of a clock you know what i mean and there being a time for having to do things and a lot of that even is very new even in europe do you know what i mean it's the, the working day being like capitalism subscribes when you need to wake up you know daylight saving only exists to maximize productivity within a capitalist system do you know what i mean so it's like it's nothing to do with us so if to, to be somewhere at 9 30 for a job don't even really make sense to us spiritually or culturally right and so if all of these things are packed into language and to, packed into culture when they're gone they don't exist anymore you know what i mean and the human experience loses out on this diversity and on this multiplicity and on this multitude right um so when you hear this kind of very basic reductive european western male capitalist bullshit you know what i mean of like survival of the fittest and that's you know they're dying out because they're weak it's like nah they're dying out because you're fucking murdering them innit do you know what i mean and that isn't what anyone who wants a, a fruitful productive multiplicitous world would want but that's what capitalism needs to sustain itself you know and so anything that can be done to fight that to me is a positive thing i know that there's certain like nomadic cultures that have the the same word for time as they do for distance because like mm. say, saying oh somebody is so many miles away is the exact same as saying oh they are half an hour away which mm. i just think is is incredible to actually think about and there's actually no differentiation between there because it's it's a lifestyle yeah yeah so off topic right now but i'm having a great time <laughs> i don't think we're off topic i think this is the topic man this is the work this is what i'm saying it was on the, the topic fully man fully <laughs> What I, what I do want to get on to uh, speak about as well is your latest EP, Set Our Sights. I, I wanted to know a little bit more about yourself as a musician. We've been talking a lot about kind of different multimedia arts, but to kind of hone it back in uh, and see what people out there can can listen to. Um, yeah, that was that was a, a single that I put out with Lab79. So that's my brother, Manage. Um who again he's one of my elders and he, he's one of the the people who brought me in when I was very young to that scene you know like it's hard to kind of there's a lot of ego with rappers do you know what I mean and um he's one of them people who from when I was very young um took the time to be like no nah, I'm feeling what you're doing like let's work on some stuff let's do some things he, he helped bring me on tour with them lot um 
he was involved in a group called Caxton Press, um, who did amazing bits kind of around sort of 2013, 2014. Um, and um, yeah, he, he started up Lab79 with people like Skirmish, um, Rain, uh, Menace Mendoza. So all these guys were in sort of other sort of big underground rap groups like um, Rhyme Asylum and Dark Side of the Moon. Um, who were big on the kind of battle scene as well. He um, he basically was just like, right, I'm going to do this thing and I want I want to just work with people I like working with and people I get on with um, and done that. And that was the first single that I put out with them. Um, they've been putting out singles steadily for a year. We've got the two-year anniversary coming up uh, at the end of the month at the Bird's Nest in Deptford. Um, and so, yeah, it's just, it's just, um, it's an honour to be working with them, man. And they've all gone, again, sort of been around the world doing this thing for many years. Um, and their whole, the whole plan is to have every track that comes out with a fire beat, fire lyrics, and a great visual. Do you know what I mean? And not just like videos, but also um, the artwork attached to it is always dope. And so, yeah, just another community I'm, I'm really happy to be a part of. Um, and there's going to be more coming. We did, we did, a, we did a show, uh, Brixton Jam, which is a bit of a full circle for us because like managers used to run with DJ Snuff, legendary DJ Snuff, used to run Speaker's Corner down there and end of the week um, out of Brixton Jams. We kind of come home um, with the Chaos crew. We got TJ Chill and the Chaos crew, like proper pioneering OGs of our scene. Um, and they put us on with people like Kashmir and Teach and Receptor Records. Um, and we just shut down this show the other day and it's kind of been like a really beautiful um, full circle moment that we're now looking to build and do more with, you know, so... Yeah, just look out for Lab 79 and everything that, that we're doing, you know. I love that you mentioned that the whole prerogative was to have like fire lyrics and a fire beat. If you were like, yeah, no, it's just gonna be a bit shit. <laughs> just <Nah>. once <laughs> someone say that, it should be like, yeah, it's a bit mid. <laughs> yeah, no, nah, that don't run. It don't run. And you know, it's the kind of thing where you, you, if it if it ain't fire, it ain't coming out. Do you know what I mean? And I and I love that. You know what I mean? Like it's 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 not about disrespecting no one. It's not about like telling no one that they're shit. But it's just like, you know, these are rappers, rappers. Do you know what I mean? Like these are wordsmith, wordsmiths. You know, like they're not they're not average um, MCs. You know, so the level is incredibly high. And and again, it's not to say that you know other people aren't or whatever. And I know there's there's a lot about the dance and a lot about the vibe. But this is like real like lyrical music. You know, this is like head banging headphones, mosh pit music, you know, it's not, it's not, it's not have a dance kind of thing. And that's, you know, I'm not saying, uh, you know, drama, drama warrior storyteller is very much, let's have a dance and let's, and let's vibes out and let's get down with the vibration. Love 79 is, is, is bars, you know, straight up. I know that the um, art is so progressive, it's so continual and still developing, but if you had like any sort of advice or words for those beginning out there looking to either put on uh, a similar thing uh, as drummer, warrior, storyteller, or uh, just get started in music, what what's kind of the the top things that you have to say to them? Um, that's a very good question. Um, I think I think it's like one take time, but don't waste time. Um, I think I spent a lot of time um, not really knowing what I was trying to do. And I think when people, people I've seen be really successful, and I don't mean just in terms of like, you know, fame or fortune or whatever, like the people who have really strong 
practices and make really excellent work. They kind of have a vision of what they know they want to achieve. And so I think if you can figure that out, the earlier you can figure that out, the more purposefully you can move, you know? And so I think that is, uh, that's something I wish I'd been told. Um, and I think, but also that's always not, that's not always possible. You know, sometimes it is important to, to make mistakes and to, to throw things out there and for them to not work. Um, and to to learn, you know, um, and I, so I think like persistence is also a, a big thing. I remember I saying when I was like maybe twenty, I was like, if if this ain't really happening when I'm twenty five, I'm gonna quit. Do you know what I mean? Because I I want to do a lot of other things with my life, and if this isn't the thing that's gonna help me do that, then I'm just gonna quit. And I'm still here like ten years after that point, and I said I was gonna quit when maybe you know I would have done if I if I. If, but then also it's like I couldn't. Do you know what I mean? Like I I literally did my first album two thousand and thirteen and then left the country and just bounced you know what i mean and not not to stop doing it but just i needed to get out of it i needed to go and see something else um and within three months of being in beijing i was i was on the hip-hop and reggae and drum and bass scene out there because it just those are my people those that's who i am you know and so i think finding your people is also a massive thing like i think um you might have a vision of like where you want to be and where and where you think you want to be, but you'll you'll kind of know when you meet your people, you know. And then when you meet them, you know, look after each other, cherish each other, um, work together. Not everything has to be a competition. Like I think there's a there's a thing around musicians, especially rappers, especially that we're kind of trained to that we that we have to see each other as opposition or as competition. And I I, I think that's bullshit. Um, I think it's like you know, there's no need for. This idea that competition is the only thing that breeds skill, uh, I, I don't subscribe to that at all. I think, I think you know, you can push each other to do more, to be more without having to rip each other down, you know? And that's something that the end of the week has really taught me. Like, it, it came out of the battle scene and then instead we forged it into a thing where we didn't have to battle but could work together. And as a result of that, we've got 20-something chapters around the world of communities of, of hip-hop heads who when we come together are like a super team, you know, like, um, and so I think, yeah, finding your people, um, taking time to invest in your craft as well. Like, I think that's something that people often chase the the fame and the fortune. And again, I think that can have its merits. You know what I mean? If, if your goal is to be the most famous artist in the world, do it. You know what I mean? Like, um, but if, if that's not necessarily going to make your work good, do you know what I'm saying? Like, or, of a certain quality of a certain caliber. And I think the people who I respect the most and who I appreciate the most, even if, you know, even when they're at those levels, you know, of being the greatest, because that was their goal, um, first and foremost, their work is quality, you know, high, high quality stuff, and they are invested in it and they're passionate about it and they deeply care about what they do, you know. And I kind of feel like if you're if that's not you, then maybe you're not doing the right thing do you know what I mean like and when you find that thing that you are passionate about like grab it with both hands and dedicate your life to it you know and if 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 and if you don't want to do it and you want to give up at some point give up also you know like I, I'm not I'm, I don't think there's pressure if you want to change and you want to go and do something different do that you know what I mean I think there's a there's a there's a there's an indigenous people in in the Americas and I forget the name of who it is but they have a saying that like a life well lived is if when on when you're on your deathbed, you have good stories to tell about your life, you know? And I I I like that a lot more than having a big pile of cash. Do you know what I'm saying? Or or having a bunch of awards or something like that, you know? And so 
if that's what you get out of your life to me that's a life well lived as well you know uh, and with that passion that you have where do you see it taking you next this thing's going around the world uh, like i know it there's no there's no like I know, like when you're in a split situation like we was in on Saturday night, we've already had people coming up and offering us stuff and the feedback from the community has been massive. And the long-term goal of this is to, to take it to different places, connect with primarily African and Caribbean diasporic people um, and connect with local drumming cultures, local storytelling cultures, local music cultures, spoken word cultures um, and plug in what we're doing to what they're doing you know and to continue to grow the thing and so we've already got family out in Uganda we were supposed to go in November but it, the, the thing we we're doing got postponed to next year um I've got people in Zimbabwe already talking about bringing us out over there I've got family in in Brussels in Paris who, who are already talking about doing stuff with um and so yeah we're just looking to connect with people around the world and and culturally exchange different methods and modes of storytelling and drumming and hip-hop and spoken word and poetry and storytelling um and that's what i'm saying i i, I genuinely think this is what i'm going to be doing for the foreseeable future do you know what i mean like because I, I, it's, it's time consuming but it's also um living as i said and it's ongoing um but i genuinely also feel like it's something that people need you know, and, and everyone who's involved with it has that same passion and will find more people who do because it's 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 quite magnetic and it's it's it genuinely feels like the most high and the ancestors are 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 pushing us to do this. So when you get that responsibility, you you don't walk away from it, you know. Uh, and where can like our listeners, if they were interested in hearing more of what they do, what you do uh where could they go first what could they listen to subscribe to uh best things to go to my website so apexzero.co.uk um everything will be on there um i'd also recommend people checking out village 101 who are the people who put us on on saturday night and have been integral to this the, um, we, we recorded the film in village 101 um Muti is a visionary and has been sort of really behind this all the way through but um the work is going to be out on global faction the the film is going to come out on global faction on november 11th and the music will be out on all digital streaming process uh, platforms um from november 11th the first set so we have like it's going to be coming out in sort of waves and so the first film and the first set of music will be out on november 11th the second one will come out early next year and then we'll put out the whole album a little bit after that um and i'm sure we're going to be doing pop-ups and maybe some smaller events maybe some bigger events from between now and then you know so just just sort of if people come to the website keep going back to the website there will always be news updated and you can get me on instagram i only really use instagram i don't really vibe with a lot of other social media so apex dot zero all spelled out z-e-r-o on on instagram is the place to to connect and, and holler.